that is in far north Queensland for one year, that's not very long to have a lot of pictures of anything even. Uh, so you'll have to put up with seeing a few pictures of my family as well. <clears throat> um, let's see. How do we put that down? There we go. <laughs> as um, we wait for that to come down, let's see, it should be presenting. All right, is there something showing? Oh, perfect. <clears throat> So now you get to see, um, that's my little boy, Thomas. And um, <clears throat> as, as you can see, it, there's something on his shirt. This is how we announced to everyone at church that um, we were expecting our number four. <laughs> uh, Thomas unusually came in a T-shirt, and it says, this guy is going to be a big brother. <laughs> uh, so pray for my wife, because our baby is due like any day now. Um, which is exciting, but it's also a little bit scary. <laughs> it's like, oh, while I'm here, it might happen. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Melanda is an interesting town, and God called my family and I there uh, just over a year ago now that we arrived, and uh, God is so good to us. Uh, it is a place where there is already a heart for God that is at the church. Um, but just like everywhere else, uh, we're a church with all kinds of problems. We've got chooks that sometimes stake out our front porch and make extra cleanup in the morning. Uh, and uh, as you can see, um, this isn't the only time I have problem with technology. Um, the other picture there shows us all trying to figure out what's going on with the projector. <laughs> um, our Sunday morning services are well attended, and I can only praise God that he has uh, given us so many opportunities. We'll uh, get into some of the various opportunities that are available up there in just a moment, but just give you a few pictures of some of the churches, how we've got some old people, some young people, little babies, lots of babies currently, <laughs> um, and I'm adding to that problem. Um, <clears throat> and uh, as you can see, uh, we always are ready to pull out more chairs, which uh, they're not as nice as these ones, but they're good. Uh, one highlight, and I had to put this in here, we had three baptisms this last year, and uh, that was such a blessing. Uh, three different young people came uh, and said, look, we would like to be baptized. One of them had been asking before I got there and uh, had continued to ask, and so we went through some studies and then were able to have a baptismal service. And... Um, uh, a couple of others at the youth camp last year, which was about this time of year, uh, they committed their life to God and said, you know what, Pastor, we've gotten saved now. We want to get baptized. And so we proceeded to do that. Uh, that was definitely a highlight of the year. Um, <clears throat> this is my family because I can't bring them with me this year because of circumstances. So that's myself, John Trumbull, and my wife, Gabriella, and our children, Sophia, Susanna, Thomas, and Baby Trumbull. They're all in the picture there. You just can't see Baby Trumbull yet. <clears throat> um, as I was preparing this slideshow, I thought about our ministry there, and I 
realize that many times these events become a, well, look at me, look at what I've done. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10 warns us not to compare ourselves among ourselves or measure ourselves amongst ourselves. That is, the ministry here, the ministry down the street, uh, you know, two hours away, all the different pastors here, each ministry has a place in God's plan, and we should not compare ourselves with each other in numbers or in some of those outward things. Instead, we should compare ourselves amongst each other, whether we are giving the glory to the Lord. As it says there at the end of the verse, um, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. If you don't do that, you're not wise. And so not to boast in things that other men have done. Um, if I wanted to, um, I could probably stop here and we could just go for um, 20 or 30 minutes speaking about all the wonderful things I found when I got to Melanda. Um, Brother Buddy Smith has been there for 31 years, and I've been there for one year, and the church is doing well in that there are many people who are dedicated to Christ. There are many people who are following God and serving Him in many different capacities, from cleaning the church to preparing food for special events. Um, there's so many people who are involved in all aspects of the ministry, teaching Sunday school and RI, all of that thing. And, and I can't claim to even have had a part in it. That was all God's work through someone else. And God deserves the glory for it. Now let's talk about some of the opportunities there on the tablelands. Uh, the first thing I listed there is uh, the 160,000 that are in cans itself. And that number might be a little bit small because the last census was a few years ago. And we all know more people have been uh, traveling out of the big cities to the small cities. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of needs in cans. Uh, there's over 27,000 in the Tablelands, which is where Melanda is located. And not only that, but we have large numbers of people. I put there islanders, but it, from all over, uh, from Vanuatu, from Tonga, from um, the Philippines, etc. Lots of people coming to do harvesting. And uh, we've actually had many opportunities to minister to those different groups um, as they come through. Um, one one uh, Filipino guy, he talked to his pastor in the Philippines, uh, and then he called up the person they knew, which was um, the um, <clears throat> in Israel. The um, my brain just went. The Lewises. The Lewises in Israel, and then because the Lewises in Israel knew there was a church there in Melanda, they end up calling me. And then when he arrived in. Um, Australia and got to Cairns that first week he was in church and then the next week he brought all of the people <laughs> from the couple of houses next to him and uh, God just is working in those ways it's a it's a wonderful thing but we have that opportunity a continual turnover of people who need the Lord uh, we also have hard-headed farmers get to deal with them a bit and we have a lot of indigenous communities and they are very damaged um, their family structures are destroyed, their culture is not pulling them towards God, and it is a big 
task to try and meet their needs as well as to point them to the Savior. Plus, a lot of people retire up that way. Um, You'll see the last two things there, huge homeless population and high drug impacts. Uh, You may have seen some of those in your area as well. Um, In a town about 30 minutes away from Melanda, a little town called Ravenshoe, um, there is over 100 people who have been living in tents for over a year, um, which is a lot, considering the population of the town is less than 1,000. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of homelessness we are seeing, and the drug impact is crazy. It's the kind of thing that makes you just not feel safe walking outside at night unless you're, you know, out on a farm somewhere. (laughs) Uh, It's it's not good. The opportunities are there. And and here I've got, I just pulled this up. We won't spend long on it. Just there's religions ranked by their size in the area. And um, you'll notice at the top, of course, Catholic and Anglican. Um, There is actually a fairly large percentage of the population of Melanda who are religious, who actually claim a religion um, better than the average. But if you notice at the end, at the bottom of the list there, uh, there was 11 in the um, Tablelands Regional Council who identified as Wiccan, and that doesn't include that little town of Ravenshoe that I mentioned a few minutes ago, which has um, over 100 um, in a uh, coven there and it's a that's a huge impact on the the um, the people there's a lot of heartache there now I would like to just say that I agree with Paul as he said I thank Christ our Lord who hath enabled me for he hath counted me faithful to put me into the ministry it isn't that I enjoy speaking. Uh, The hardest thing when I was a kid was speech class. I didn't enjoy it. But preaching, that is wonderful because it is all about my Savior. And ministry, meeting people's needs, that is what we are all about. I want to describe the long road. Now this is for all of us, but I am aiming a little bit at some of you younger men Uh, some of you teenagers and uh, others who haven't yet settled into your pattern of ministry yet, don't do as I did. Don't wait. When I was a teenager, I was going to wait until I had training before I would be willing to do things. And then at Bible college, I was waiting, and then I'll be able to do more when I'm a pastor, you know? And uh, all throughout, I continue to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. But I set limits on it, not because God is not able, but because I didn't feel like I had enough experience. You should be ready to jump in, help wherever you can. So these are just a few uh, highlights called to the ministry in the 90s. I was still young then. Uh, I graduated from Bible college in 2005. I had an internship with my father that was fun and uh, very difficult. In in Virginia, then I went back to my home church in Virginia, and I was there for the next eight years. And uh, I listed off a few things, but there were many other things that I did during that time, uh, preaching, song leading, 
leading the choir. I'm not good at that one. Don't ask me to do that. Uh, youth ministries, uh, did singles ministries, all kinds of things. Um, uh, nursing home ministries, all of those things that are just one after the other, um, helping out wherever I could. Uh, in 2013, I finally made my way back to Australia and into uh, Wagga, which is where I spent the next seven years. Yeah, that's that's the ad that adds up. Um, met my wife, got married. That's good. Uh, <clears throat> during that time, um, I was able to work with Pastor David Talbot, which was a blessing. And uh, young men, again, find someone that you can be, be the second man to, that you can help. Um, there is a great need for deacons, for people to count the money with the treasurer or to work in the sound booth at the back or to all of the things that aren't up front jump in and help i became a deacon and then assistant pastor there in Wagga, and then finally in uh <clears throat> april of 2022 so last year i became pastor in milanda at the church and that's a very long road if you look at that that's almost 30 years <laughs> of God's preparation, some of us are slow, okay? Some of us are slow. We plod along, and we eventually get there. God has used all of the experience that I've been able to gain to help in the ministry. So now we want to praise God. God is so good. I couldn't decide which one to label this one, so I put them both up there. God is so good and praise God. Uh, in the last year, Melanda had a youth camp and a youth group with an average of over 60 children. And not all of those, about half would have been from our church. The rest were from around. Um, <clears throat> we have had consistent numbers for Sunday morning and Sunday evening and only a very small drop in numbers in Wednesday evening services, which I don't know about you, but most churches go through the, either the, they're shrinking or they're growing, and it's wonderful when there's a little bit of stability. You say, God must be at work. There's so many outreaches that we do. We work in the markets monthly, presenting the gospel. Um, Cannes Independent Baptist Fellowship, I'll just pause there for a moment. Um, there is an opportunity for us with a few families that are in cans that want to start a church. And so we have been supplying them with a young man or two or Buddy or myself every week to have a Sunday service. And uh, we are hoping in a year or two that they will be able to constitute as a church and that they will be able to call their own pastor. And that is an exciting thing. And again, this isn't something that I started. This is something I'm stepping into. They started a year or so before I got up there. Uh, but that is, that is an exciting uh, opportunity. Uh, we also have a second youth group in that little town of Ravenshoe. And uh, this last Friday, no, the Friday gone, uh, so two weeks ago Friday, they had over 15 uh, children come, which is great because we normally have a few less than that uh, but it's good that we have that opportunity to reach out to some of those uh, families in that very afflicted um, town uh, we also had a wonderful time with uh, Ran brother randy bain uh, who came and had evangelistic meetings and 
that was a very good opportunity. Uh, God is good. And I want to highlight one last thing that was the Cannes show. And there's so many other things that have happened in the last year, uh, but we don't want to waste all of our time on this. Uh, but at the Cannes show, um, I wasn't able to be there for that. Uh, other people were doing it on, uh, the can at the Cannes show, and they handed out 35 Bibles. Now, I don't know about you, but when you're going door to door, or when you're at the markets and you hand out a tract, you expect most people to say no. To hand out 35 Bibles, that's a lot. Uh, it, was, it was amazing how that worked out. God allowed us to hand out 35 Bibles and thousands of tracts in the couple of days of the can show. And uh, do continue to pray, because some of the people who came there to the can show, they're farmers who live out, and they come to the can show, and that would have been the only opportunity we would have had to give the gospel to them and we might see the fruit later. But it's God who allowed us to hand out all of those things. Do pray for the church in Melanda. Grace Baptist Church in Melanda has the same problems as all churches do. Pray for young men to be drawn to preach. More pastors are needed. Pray for God to send men out as evangelists. We don't have many evangelists to call upon. And pastors sometimes need a break. They need someone to fill in for them. Pray for God to call out more men to be set apart as deacons or leadership in their churches. Pray for more men to take a stand and become members of their churches. I don't know if there's anyone in this room who isn't a member of their local church, but you should. You should. Uh, don't be a pew warmer. Be active. Be involved. Uh, pray for more men to stand up and be counted, putting their family into a biblical model so that as was said of Abraham, we have trained our sons after us. Pray for more boldness. Pray for sinners to be saved. Pray for more love for God. Pray for more unity around truth. Pray for more strength to separate over false teaching. These are the only things that will meet the needs of 27,000 in the tablelands and 160,000 in cans. I can't do it. Only God can. Pray, pray, pray. Uh, that's the slideshow. I hope that was a blessing. All right. We have a few minutes. <laughs> Not very many. We have a few minutes <clears throat> to look into God's Word. And I'd like to head back to Psalm 91. And if you saw in your um, order of service, God is the most high God. And how high? The most high. That's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Just for a few minutes here, we're going to explore what it means that God is the most high. The most high. I don't know if you were like this when you were a kid, but my children are like this. Sometimes Susanna or Sophia will say something like, Dad, you're so strong. I'm not. But you're so strong. Or I'm so big now. You're not. But they always add the extra. 
so big, or I'm very big, or I'm, I'm the best. And you're like, no, you're not, but you're always adding that extra bit to it. I feel that way when I read this passage, and I, especially there in Psalm 91, verse 1, where it says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the Most High. It feels like an exaggeration, and yet it isn't at all an exaggeration. God is the Most High. We can rightly say He is higher than high. He is above all. He is so far above all that we can't even come close. But as we consider this uh, phrase, this title of God, the Most High, I want to um, just encourage you, do a little Bible study, maybe a word search of that phrase, the Most High, in your Bible. You'll find that this title of God is connected to almost every other title of God. And this title of God and the connection to all of the others puts the lie to the claim that God revealed himself in one way at one time and he revealed himself as a different person at another time. No, we serve the very same God that Abraham and Isaac knew. We serve the very same God with the very same attributes who spoke to Adam in the garden. We have the very same God and there is a unity throughout Scripture. In fact, if we were to look at all of these uh, Scriptures where it talks about the Most High, uh, we'd be here a little bit longer than the 30 minutes we have. Um, but we would find that it is throughout the Old Testament. It's in the Pentateuch. This phrase is also in the wisdom books, Proverbs and Psalms. It's also in the um, Prophets. It's also in the New Testament, both in the Gospels and in Acts. This phrase is used over and over and over and over again. It is a common theme. It's not the only name of God that's repeated throughout, but it shows us a consistency that this isn't something that used to be true and now is not. I met a man who claimed to me that, uh, yeah, there was a God in the Old Testament, and then Jesus, he's taken over. And I said, that's not right. The Most High is still the Most High now. The, the, the very same Most High back then is the very same Most High now, and there is a connection between them uh, all throughout Scripture. It is not a new God. Jesus isn't the new version. No, God is God. The Most High is consistent throughout all. But what does it mean to be Most High? Uh, we might view this as just a title, or we might see it for what it is. This phrase, the Most High, is very similar to the phrase, uh, or to the, the name of God, that He is holy. It is, it is closely related to that attribute because it is something that shows God to be not just a little bit, but most high, He is superlative. He is 
at the extreme end of high. If we are thinking on this earth, what's the highest point? We might think, oh, well, there's mountains. Those are pretty high. Climb to the top of a mountain. Okay, yep. And then you can look up. Oh, there's still a bit more there. There's atmosphere. And if we go a little bit further, you might say, okay, yep, we're up as high as the eagles can fly, a couple kilometers up, and they're looking down, and they can see things. That's pretty amazing. Uh, nope. If they looked up, God's above them too. Maybe you get as high as those satellites that are going around, and they have quite a vantage point. You know, some of those satellites can take pictures of the earth and get like more than 30% of the whole earth in one picture. That's, that's pretty high up. And then maybe you say, oh, well, there's people. There's people that have walked on the moon. That's pretty high, Pastor John. They've, they've been on the moon, you know. Everyone was under them at that point, right? Everyone else. They're the highest people at that point. They look up. God's still above them. God is the most high. That phrase shows us not just a step above, but zooming up in a rocket ship higher. But where is the edge of God? How high does He go? Well, if we keep going through the um, expansion of the universe, we see, okay, we have, you know, our solar system. Is God bigger than that? Yep. Oh, well, is, is He bigger than our galaxy? Yep. Is He more than our universe? Yep. Does he, is He limited in any way? No. And really, this is where we're starting to get to the meaning of most high. God is unlimited in His excellency. God is unapproachable in His height and in His power. I don't know if you remember the verse, but it describes Jesus Christ as being born of a woman and being made a little lower than the angels. Just a little bit lower. But do you notice we don't have the opposite phrase? And God, He's just a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit higher than the angels. No, he is the most high. He's not a little bit. It's not a little step of power better. He's not a little bit nicer, a little bit more good. He is extremely the most high in all of his attributes. He is the most high God. Often you hear people speak about the devil or about demons, and they say, oh, they're powerful. They are. They're more powerful than us. But God is not just a little bit more powerful than an angel. In fact, He's not even just a little bit more powerful than all the angels combined. But God with a word can create or destroy all of the angels. He is leaps and bounds. He is more distant than a pebble at the foot of the mountain and the top of the mountain, distance in power and in majesty and in glory than angels and him, pebble and the top of the mountain. 
He is the Most High. And those aren't adequate to express how high He is. Our God is the Most High. It's not just a title, but it describes our Savior, our God. It describes Him. He is the Exalted One. I want us now to consider that some of His attributes are hereby made more wonderful. You know, you might think, okay, you've got, you've got a Pastor John powerful strength, and then you've got, you know, bodybuilders. Anyone out here know how to, you know, you lift weights? No. Okay, wrong crowd. Okay, you got someone who actually goes to the gym, and they're, you know, twice as strong as me. Maybe more. And then you've got someone who's the best in the world and they can lift, you know, 500 kilos. I don't know how much they can lift. They can lift a huge amount. This physical strength is nothing in comparison to God's strength. He is the most high. All the people in all the world at all time put together at once wouldn't have enough strength to oppose God. All the angels joining in with the them would not be able to withstand God. God is able to do that which we cannot even consider. I was looking up uh, different words here or different uh, meanings for the Most High. And I was thinking of phrases like exalted one or the one above all. And then, of course, Using Google to do that, I, I came across some strange things. Apparently, there's a comic where, because of the way comics work, uh, you're always fighting a more dangerous threat, and which means that the hero always has to get stronger and stronger. And so one comic actually had someone they called the one above all. His superpower was that he was the one above all. No one else could be as good as him. And that even wasn't, uh, he even was beatable. <laughs> but God is the highest, the most high. He is the one above all because there's no one else. No one else can even approach close to him. He is the most high. Humanity is very weak. We cannot walk to the top of the highest mountain without help. We need the right kind of rations, the right kind of gear, and it still will take us days, and many people have died attempting to go to those high peaks. But God, He made those high peaks with a word. He is most high. Uh, we already mentioned the, the eagles fly at an extremely high height. Uh, and God has made them such that they can see things on the ground that are very small. They can hunt from up there. And you say, that's crazy. Eyesight like that. The God who gave the eagle the eyesight to see from a kilometer up something that is this big. Can he not see better than that? Is he restricted in his sight that he, from whatever vantage point he is at, cannot see as well as the eagle. No, he can see better. He holds the very atoms together. 
he sees in a detail that even the eagles can't uh, claim to possess. He is the most high in his ability to see. He is the most high in his ability to protect. In warfare, you want the high ground. The high ground gives you many advantages. Number one, the enemy has to walk up the hill. And you might not think that's an advantage, but it is because if the enemy is anything like me, they get to the top of the hill and they're puffed up. And they're sitting there. It's an, it's an advantage to be at the top, the high place. And even today, we use this to our advantage. In uh, militaries, they have the super high-flying air things that look out with radar and other instruments. And they can see the enemy coming from way out over the horizon. This gives them the benefit, not only that they can see the enemy coming, but they can prepare. They can get away. Or being that high up, they can just drop something on their enemy. Uh, that's been done in the past. I'm sure you've seen castles, at least when I was a kid, I read books about castles and looked at that and how you, they would drop things over onto the drawbridge, you know, stop the enemy by just dropping things. That's a pretty good uh, advantage. Height brings that advantage of being able to stop people with very little effort. We have God is able to drop things from way further than anything we can even uh, think of. You know, God, God is up in the clouds, and if He wants, He's further than the clouds, but He's at least up there. He can drop a drop of water that'll freeze and come down, down, down like a hailstone and hit something. And sometimes those hailstones, they can get pretty big. God is in control of that. He can drop things on us. Uh, also, He can send things from outer space. You know, if God wants to destroy something like Sodom and Gomorrah, He can do it. He can do it. He can send a meteor or a rock from space and have it obliterate something. That is God in God's power. He is extremely high above. As I've said, he has a great vision, but he also can see through time. He is the most high in his ability to see through time. He can see the past. He can see the present. He can see the future. Sometimes from a high vantage point, you might think you can see the future. Not really, but you're looking out and you're seeing a car traveling and you're like, I know where it's going to be next. It's going to be right there because I can see the road goes that way. Or if the road turns back around, the person driving might not know, but you can see where they will be in a few moments' time. In the same way, God is the Most High, and here's where we can start to apply it to our lives. God sees you. He sees your step day by day. He sees the path that you're on. He can direct you in such a way that will prevent you from a problem in your next step or a problem that's a year away, God can protect you. God can send help so that you can walk through the trial because He sees it coming. He sees it coming. He is not taken by surprise at all because He's the Most High. And so when we abide under His shadow, we are secure. Secure. 
because he knows what is going to happen and he knows how to help us step by step, day by day. He is the Most High. Uh, We're not even going into some of his attributes like being able to be everywhere at once. His abilities to know everything. These are great, but when you add them to the fact that he is Most High, if I only knew a few things, but I had the vantage point of height, I could change the world. Archimedes famously said, give me a lever long, uh, uh, yeah, a lever long enough and a fixed point and I can move the world. And that's, he was making a point about um, physics, I think. I'm not really sure. I wasn't that good in math. Uh, but his point was that you could multiply his effort through the use of this great long lever and if you have a high enough vantage point you can affect things in a different way and God is the most high in an inaccessibly high to us and so he is able to affect things in a way that we cannot even imagine he is able to predict he is able to deal with us often think about it this way uh, if there's ants walking along a trail, generally in the kitchen. They're trying to get our food. I don't know what it is with ants and food. You know, there they are. And and in my mind, I'm picturing the really tiny ants that we have up in Milan, and they're just marching across the counter. And you're like, okay, I am a million times bigger than you. I'm estimating. I don't actually know. Huge indifference in size. And I can predict where they're going to go because I can see them all in a line, and they're marching. And I can put my hand down stop them now they have to go around and then if I'm really mean I can make them go around in circles and all that kind of thing if they try and climb on me I can flick them off if I wanted I could probably squash a hundred of them at once God is so much more in power than we are that he can direct mankind we think we have entirely free will yet we're very predictable we're all subject to the same failings we're all attracted to the same sorts of things that are harmful to us God is able to predict us even without knowing everything we're not that complex (laughs) we're pretty simple beings we're like ants in his sight and he can reach down and with a finger change everything he can with a thought or a word turn us on another path this is the most high god there have been times when god knew better than me and i knew it i realized it one such time was when i was at bible college And a few of you have heard this story before um, because I I like to repeat it. It's a good one. Uh, We were going to have a youth outing and we were going to be doing something for a church that was about two hours away. And we were going to have a special evangelistic set of meetings. It was going to be big. And so me and a few other 
uh, young men and a couple of young ladies from the Bible College were working together to make this happen. And we were preparing several months before, and we started praying, God, we know that there is only like four or five youth in this church that we're going to. And we know that they don't have a lot of people to go out and to bring in all of the kids. But there's a lot of kids in the town. Give us the opportunity in the one day we'll have before to reach those kids and to invite them out. And then, Lord, we pray that you would bless, that on that day we would have, you know, perfect weather. And when we started praying, we prayed this way, God, give us, you know, beautiful, sunshiny weather. Thankfully, God knew better. He knew better. We prayed for that. And, and then as we went, we were like, oh, God, don't make the weather too nice or they'll all stay at the park or they'll all be playing ball <laughs> or their sports teams or they'll stay home. Uh, you know, I don't know. They'll be outside, but not, they won't come to us. God, make it the perfect weather so that they will come. And as we went, we asked God and we kept praying. And as it got closer to the time, you know, they start putting out the forecast. And it's like in the middle of it's going to rain the whole week. Like, oh, no, we're going to have we have one day, one opportunity to reach these kids. How is God going to work? And we started praying, God, we know you can change the weather to whatever you like. If you could give us that time where it's not raining so that we can play those games outside because the church was small. It was a smaller building than you have here. And there was no room to play any kind of a game inside, especially if we got the numbers of kids that we were hoping for. And we say, God, if we can go outside and play those games, that would be better. And as the day approached, the reports are lightning thunderstorms. You're like, oh no, God, just keep the thunder away. Keep the lightning away. We can't play games outside if the rain is so uh, coming down so hard, it's cold and the thunder and lightning is going off. It's too dangerous. God, give us that block of time. Now, it was perfect. God gave us perfect weather. The day before the event, when we arrived and we started handing out flyers, it was raining. It was pouring. And yet everywhere we saw cars were gathered, we would go there. The bowling alley handed out a few flyers there. Supermarket handed out a few flyers there. We only handed out a couple hundred flyers altogether. And we only had a few people say they were coming and we were thinking, God, you're going to have to work. We can't physically find any more people. They're all inside. It's raining. But God's going to do it. That next day, kids started coming, and we had over 60 kids come to that event. I think the total number was 78 at the end of it. 78 kids. And they only had five in their youth group, and we could barely fit them into the room. Uh, for the preaching time after, we said, how did this happen? We asked different ones, and one guy was like, well, yeah, they canceled sport because it's been thundering and lightning all week. And uh, another guy said, yeah, I was just bored sitting at home. So I said, oh, I'll try that. Maybe, maybe you know, the, the pizza or the other stuff will still happen. And so they were able to come out. More people came out because it was raining than would have come out if it had been a perfectly sunny day like today. 
And then, after everyone had arrived, we went and began to look out and say, well, maybe we'll just try. And as long as the thunder and lightning holds off, we'll play the games and we'll, it'll just have to do it because there's no way we can do anything in here. Can't turn around. The kids have to remain seated inside. There's no space. And as we walked out, guess what happened? The sun came out. And as we looked around, you could see the rain on all sides coming down, and the clouds are still everywhere, but there's a little bit of sun coming through. And no rain for 45 minutes in that section of town. None. And we played our games, and as you know, the leaders were encouraging the kids to get off the field and to go back into the building, and as the last ones are being helped across the parking lot, the rain starts coming down again. God allowed us to have the answer to our prayer in a way that was abundantly better than anything we could have asked for. All of the kids realized this isn't usual for the rain to be raining just in sight on, over there and across town and everywhere else but not there. That's not normal. That's not usual. For 45 minutes, no thunder and lightning, no, we've got to get back inside. We were able to play those games. And then, because they were all excited about this and none of them walked away, they had a good time, so they all continued with us. That day, we were able to see three people commit their lives to Christ. And a few months later, uh, one of the young men who had gotten saved, he came and visited us at the Bible college, and he uh, said, I haven't missed a day. He said, I never would have come to a church. My parents don't go to church. And he asked for prayer about that because he loved his parents. And even several years later, he was still going on for God. And we say, look, God has power that he can reach down and change the weather in one spot of town for a specific event so it will happen in the way he wants. He can make it so that all the events are closed because of the weather and that this one opportunity is available so that that one kid can hear God and hear the message of Jesus Christ and come to salvation. That is how high our God is. He is able to control the raindrops, each one individually, so that you have more rain on your side of the road or less. He can do that. He is the Most High God. And so when the Most High the one who is exceedingly abundantly above, he can do that which is exceedingly abundantly above what we can even ask or what we can think. Our God is the most high God. I want to think of, uh, remind you, sorry, of one final story from the Bible where Joshua was fighting. And you know this story. Joshua was fighting a battle and I think it was the Midianites. I can't remember that part. Anyway, he was fighting. They were winning, but they weren't going to have enough daylight. And they cried out to God. And God stopped the day. I can't even imagine how that happens. I understand how rain comes down, how clouds sometimes pass over you and they don't rain. But how do you stop the sun in the sky so it doesn't move. Does that mean that the earth stopped rotating for a while? 
does that mean that, that the sun stopped going, uh, sorry, the, the earth stopped going around the sun? I, I don't know. Or, or did the sun all of a sudden switch and start floating around in weird patterns so that it could stay right above? I don't know. I don't know how God did it, but he can. He is most high so that he could grab the sun like it is a ping pong ball. Light, easy to move around, and he can move it over here for a bit and move it back. He has that ability, that power, that authority. The Most High God is able to do more than we can even think of. And so when you consider a loved one who is far from God and you say, it would take a miracle, God can do it. Keep praying. When you think that, that the, the country is going the wrong way and the government's going to get me, remember that God is more high above the government than you are to an ant. And He can turn the heart of the king. He can also protect us in spite of all that we might face. This Psalm, Psalm 91, goes on, and we won't go through it, but there is protection from diseases, from enemies. He covers us like a, a bird covers with feathers, which is very soft. We even use feathers for pillows now. Soft and comfortable. He keeps us from, uh, protects us from fears. He protects us from fears during the day and during the night. He protects us at all times. If we have made him our habitation, the Most High will love and tenderly care for us. This does not mean that we will have an easy life or that we will never face hardships or trials. I think last night there was those books about uh, cancer and how to approach it and deal with that. The fact that God allows bad things to happen to us. But in spite of all of those things, we can still walk with God. And he will tenderly draw us to himself. Even coming to death is no reason to fear because the Most High God is the one who has called us at that time. And so I want to encourage you. We have the Most High God, this extreme, the greatest God. No one else comes close. And because of that, we can Praise Him and we can be comforted because He is the Most High. He is not going to be taken by surprise. Let's close with the word of prayer. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for the fact that You are the Most High. We ask, Lord, that You would give us eyes to see that You are far above us. You have the right to command us and to direct us and that You will direct us if we will look to you. Father, we ask that you would send forth laborers into your harvest field and that you would prepare hearts so that they are truly white unto harvest. And Father, we ask that uh, you would receive all of the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.